Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being a God who shows up, for being a God who does amazing and powerful things, who takes death and stomps it underfoot. Lord, as we come into this place, onto this especially holy Sunday where we are doing important work, important work of preaching life into death, light into darkness, hope into despair. Lord, I pray that you take my words and you make them yours so that the work done here is not mine but yours and that you transform this time as we submit it to you, believing that you will chisel out eyes and ears out of our granite heads so we might see something new and fresh. Amen. All Saints Day and Fruits of the Spirit. So we are continuing to do our month look at different fruits of the Spirit. We've done faithfulness. We've done love. And today we are looking at this word, peace. Peace and all saints' day. This intersection is where we sit. The chosen sermon series and the reality that once a year we come and we do something that none of us really like doing. We look at something that none of us like looking at. We think about something that none of us like thinking about. That our days, our breaths are limited. We will all one day die. Unless we're the generation who sees Jesus come in glory, but we will one day pass away. And so we sit in this day and we're going to acknowledge that. We're going to read the names of those who have gone before us. We're, for some Each name is going to bring up a memory. For some, they'll bring up intimate, beautiful memories. For others, it'll be a name that maybe we've never heard before, but we know for that other person, it'll be important. And so we honor each name with the ringing of a bell and filling this space with the beautiful, glorious sound of what God has done. And so how do we look at this intersection of peace, and how do we look at the intersection of All Saints Day and where we sit here? The place to start is looking at Jesus and what he has done for us. Whenever we come to questions of of how do these things work together and what is it to be a Christian, the first place that we should begin to look is to Jesus and what he did. And in his ministry, in the years that he had, he worked for 30 years and then he started his public ministry and for three years he healed and he taught and he went around making the Jewish leaders upset with him. But eventually then he went to a cross, died, went to a tomb and burst forth from the tomb to bring resurrection light to everybody. This year in particular, there's been this kind of thought as Marco and Townsend and I gathered to think about what this year was going to look like and what we are going to study, that this, this time of peace and talking about it here on All Saints Day brought me to this day that Jesus spent in the tomb. And in particular, I, I know that this was the day, but the reflection on the fact that Jesus was in the tomb 
on the Sabbath was an interesting thing for me to kind of reflect on. Jesus could have been in the tomb any day. He could have started the week in the tomb on Sunday. He could have been on the day on a random Thursday. But instead, God put Jesus in the tomb on the Sabbath. Now, there's some practical reasons I think that we need to acknowledge here. One being the fact that if it wasn't the Sabbath, I think the women would have woken up the next morning and gone right to that tomb, right, to go and fix his body up because they wanted to honor Jesus, the rabbi, their teacher. That's a practical reason. And in the scriptures, it says he's in the tomb for three days. So Friday and Saturday and then burst forth on Sunday, right? So we, we need that day in the tomb. But also, don't you think that when God was creating And God was going, and six days he worked, and on the seventh day he rested. And then our reading from Exodus 20, that commanded the people in one of his ten words in Exodus 20 to rest. I want you to be a people of rest. I want you to be unusual. In fact, this was something that the Jewish people were made fun of by the other cultures. Oh, they call them six-day people. (laughs) You're six-day people. You don't work seven days like we do. You take a day to sit and to rest. And this unusual thing that they did where they stopped everything and they rested. Don't you think when God was laying this groundwork, building out this framework, he said, I am going to put myself in that tomb on the day of rest. And in so doing, reveal something to each of us. Before we get there. I want to um, put another church doctrine on the table for you guys. You probably have heard this before. But there is this idea that we as the church, here we are, there is the church militant and the church triumphant. Maybe you've heard of those terms before, maybe you haven't. But let me just kind of flesh that out for you. The church militant are those of us who are in this room today those of us who are called with a purpose and are doing the work of God. We are the church carrying the gospel, going out into the world, telling people about the good news of Jesus, bringing light into darkness, bringing hope to the hopeless, um, giving our money, our resources, our time to serve others and to build up his kingdom, letting them know that there is a God who died on the cross burst forth from the tomb so that they too can have life. That's the church militant. It's us. We're doing this work, right? We have a mission. We have a call. And it's hard, (laughs) right? Doesn't sin, death, and the devil feel like it's beating down on us all the time? Where you're just like, okay, here we go again. Some other obstacle to overcome, some other thing to stress about, some, some burden to carry, to listen to other people and the stresses that they have, the stresses that we have, and to bring hope and love and joy into that sometimes feels really hard. But like a soldier, the church militant, right? You hear that military word in there. Like a soldier, we battle into darkness, We look into darkness and we proclaim light, each one of us, truth, love, hope. And it's hard, hard work, but good work, the church militant. And then there are those who can rest from their labor, the church triumphant. 
those who have gone before us into the presence of God. And what are they doing in the presence of God? But resting. Resting and waiting for judgment day to come. When all the tombs will open, all the tombs will burst forth, and the dead will be raised up, and we'll get a new body, like Jesus got a new body. Um, <laughs> I had a professor in uh, some, or not my undergraduate degree, Rod Rosenblatt is his name. And in Lutheran circles, he's kind of a big deal, so I know, kind of fun, right? Um, there's a lot of stories about Dr. Rosenblatt. But he would stand, he was this little guy, big belly, like big bottom half, small upper half. And he would stand in front of us and he says, I cannot wait for glory day because I will no longer look like a pear. <laughs> and I this 60-year-old guy going, one day, six pack, six four, ready to go. You know, that's his, his dream of what was going to happen um, in glory day. But burst forth from this rest into what God has for us, the glory of the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, where everything will be without sin and without blemish and without darkness. And so we have the church militant. When we look to the life of Jesus, we have the church of the three years of the ministry of Jesus Christ, healing the sick, proclaiming truth into darkness, giving words of kindness and love, words of conviction, church militant, you, me, and we have the church triumphant. The church who is resting in Christ, resting in God. Let's marry these ideas. Jesus Christ died on Friday, rested in the tomb on Saturday, and burst forth on Sunday. We live in this period, church militant, of his ministry. We celebrate today the fact that there are those who are resting in Christ. They have gone before us into the rest of God. Now, death And the devil and sin are so powerful, so big and so scary that it overshadows in our mind the truth of the matter is that the names that we're about to read are in the same church that we're in, the same table that we gather around, but they're able to rest. They're able to breathe. They're able to sit in the presence of God, lay in the presence of God, and just be until one day we will raise forth. So why then did God create the Sabbath, prepare the Sabbath, prepare a season of rest, and then put his son in the tomb on the Sabbath? Because in so doing, He proclaimed victory over death, and it no longer became a scary, dark thing, but a place of rest. And what if, when we come to these things, we we look at the church militant and the church triumphant, and we say, the ability to have peace, the ability to rest, only comes with God giving us himself. Himself. 
And so in the book of, of Revelation, where I went this week and spent some time in Revelation chapter 7, and if you want my my whole um, Revelation series is actually on our podcast channel. You can go and, and listen to it all. But um, I wanted to look at Revelation chapter 7 just for a brief moment because I wanted to point out the fact that, that we have Revelation chapter 6 right beforehand, the seven seals. In the seven seals are the, um, the four horsemen that come out, all of these great images. But we really spend a lot of time thinking about these seven seals. And if you count the words in Revelation chapter 6, in my Bible in particular, there are 508 words in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 7, there are 492 words. And it is about one idea. It's about the idea that God is with his people. Because my argument for the book of Revelation is that the interludes are the teaching moments. The interludes are the times that we grab onto. And in this beautiful Revelation chapter 7, we see that the first part of the Revelation chapter 7 is the sealing of the 144,000. Now, 144 is 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. I know you didn't come to church to do math. Added benefit of today. But 12 times 12, tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, right? Then we have three tens, three numbers of completeness, complete people of God, who what in Revelation chapter 7 have been sealed with the cross of Christ. What brings us, the church militant, peace in the midst of this time? It's going back to the waters of our baptism knowing that in the waters of baptism, God claimed us as his children, then marked us with his cross. And about, we're actually doing a baptism next Sunday, and you'll see that we bring the kids up, and then we talk to the kids and say, you know how the water washed off them? Well, now we're going to mark them with oil, and oil penetrates and goes in. And that going in stays with them forever. So if you've been baptized and marked with the cross of Christ and sealed in the love of God now and forever, you can stand with peace against the forces of evil and the darkness and proclaim truth because God is your rock and your salvation. He does not give up on you and he has marked you. And then the second half of the Revelation chapter 7 is this great multitude that no one can count. So many people that no one can count. And the author asks, he's like, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, there before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his, within his temple, and the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. The people of God resting in God, who have what? hunger and thirst no more, who await God's glorious resurrection day. We have the church militant, the church sealed, the church um, proclaimed to go and do the work of God, and then we have the church resting, resting in the grace of God, resting in the mercy of God. And so today, 
we remember the names of those who have gone before us. We remember that Jesus, because he went to the tomb, and we have this in our Lutheran book of worship, O Lord Jesus, by your three-day rest in the tomb, you hallowed the graves of all who believe in you, promising resurrection to our mortal bodies. So we look to the tomb, and we say, Jesus rested in the tomb. They can rest in the tomb, and one day they will rise victorious. God has blessed, ordained, and sanctified this place. What about us? At the end of uh, the funeral service, there's a section in this occasional services book. Occasional services book is full of um, all sorts of things. Receptions of new members, blessing of sanctuaries, ordination services, and also our funeral service. In this funeral service, there's a section of prayers with a very simple congregational response of, hear us, O God. And it, to me, is one of the beautiful blessings of being able to serve funerals. One of the prayers, every time I say it, it becomes the prayer of the day for me. Because it is the way that we who look at those in the tomb go on. And it simply says this. It says, help us, we pray, in the midst of things we cannot understand, to believe and trust in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection to life everlasting. To me, this prayer is enough. Help us in the midst of things I don't understand. Why did that person have to die? Why are they not with me? Why did this thing in my life have to be destroyed? Why did I have to lose my job? Why did my marriage have to fall apart? Why did this next thing that I'm afraid of have to happen? Help us in the midst of things we do not understand to believe and trust in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection to life everlasting. This thing we're doing today, this looking at death, is big and scary, and we we don't understand it but we have a God who rested in the tomb. And so we can look to Jesus and know that because he rested, these names that we're going to say today, they will rest also. And then one day, we'll all burst forth. One day, we'll get to be in the presence of God again. I'm not again, but glorious, resurrected in the presence of God, new heavens and new earth. And so as we hear these names, as they do inside of you, whatever they're going to do. Bring you to tears, bring you to laughter, remind you of a beautiful memory shared with them. Do so with this in mind. God is with you, holding you. God ordained a day of rest. Jesus rested in the tomb. Those are resting, waiting, The church triumphant, they have fought their fight. They have kept the faith. They can now rest. And let us go forward as a church militant, doing the things we're called to do until one day the Lord calls you and me to him and we rest and we wait for the day that we will all be risen up. Heavenly Father, we submit this day to you. 
We ask that you be with us in the midst of things we cannot understand. We ask that you take our hearts and our minds. You bring us to your positions. And you help us here, the church militant, to gather and to remember these beautiful people. You help us to look at death as a moment of rest while we wait for you to give us truth and peace and hope and resurrection. So, Lord, let us never tire of the work that you have done. Amen.